Welcome to Credits Due, the podcast where we break down an actor's filmography one movie at a time. I'm Ben Cron, and joining me today is Tyler Owen. And Neil Potter. In this movie, Harrison Ford is Jack Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And... Of course, that means that we're on part eight on our series on Harrison Ford. Um, As always, uh, oh, of course, we're talking about the 1994 movie Clear and Present Danger. Dun, dun, dun. Um, It's directed by Philip Noyce. It (laughs) It stars Harrison Ford and Willem Dafoe. Um, uh, according to IMDb, this movie is about a CIA analyst, Jack Ryan, is drawn into an illegal war fought by the U.S. government against a Colombian drug cartel. Um, as always, we'll start off with some film trivia on the movie, then get into some box office, and then we'll dive into our full spoiler-filled discussion on clear and present danger. Uh, then we'll end with some final thoughts on Harrison Ford and some recommendations. So, Tyler, you want to uh, start us off with some film trivia? I sure do. Every episode I put together four bits of trivia about our main film, and one of them I have made up completely, and you guys figure out which one it is. So let's start. Number one, Willem Dafoe's character, John Clark, was also the hero of a Tom Clancy novel, Without Remorse. Savoy Pictures paid $2.5 million for the rights and planned to have Defoe star alongside Keanu Reeves, but the project was shelved. Oh. Number two. The drug kingpin Ernesto Escobedo was originally intended to be Pablo Escobar. However, Escobar was not happy with his portrayal in the book, and so he threatened to sue the producers of the film adaptation. Rather than delay the production, they simply changed the name. Number three. The drug lord mansion destroyed by the missile was a real brick-and-mortar residence in Mexico purchased by the filmmakers from a divorcee who had unpleasant memories of the place. The filmmakers (laughs) bought the mansion and destroyed it. The divorcee kept the land and presumably built a new house after cleaning out all the rubble. God, that is ridiculous. (laughs) Number four. The film originally received an R rating, but won a PG-13 rating on appeal without making any edits. Oh. All right, uh, Ben, why don't you go first? <laughs> um, I'm going to pick the one about uh, the um, blowing up the real house and uh, how, how it was um, bought by a divorcee, uh, even though I like the idea of someone being like, go ahead, take it, blow it up for all I care. <laughs> <laughs> I have to agree with Ben on this because that is absolutely ridiculous. I'd love to think it's true, but uh, yeah, it's got to be that one, right? All right. Well, let's go. Let's go in order. Uh, Number one, one, Defoe's character was also the hero of another Tom Clancy novel, and they bought the rights to that and shelved it, even though it was originally going to have Keanu Reeves in it, too. Uh, that is true. Yes. Uh, mm. They paid an astronomical $2.5 million for the rights to this book. 
Um, but uh, just ended up falling through. And I, I can't say, uh, maybe we'll find out why um, in the box office real results for this movie, because I don't actually know that information. But um, for whatever reason, I guess they didn't think that uh, a Willem Dafoe, Keanu Reeves follow-up spinoff was going to be successful. Um, number two. The drug kingpin Ernesto Escobedo was originally intended to be Pablo Escobar. Uh, so that is partially true. <laughs> this one is the fake. Oh. <laughs> uh, he It was based on Pablo Escobar, but Pablo Escobar had died before the filming of this oh, movie started. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Although I wouldn't have uh, put it past him to try and sue the production of a film <laughs> if he was alive. <laughs> Uh, which means that number three is true. So sorry, guys, but I believe the direct quote was, go ahead, <laughs> blow it up for all I care. <laughs> That's incredible. <laughs> yeah. yeah, apparently that is true. A divorcee uh, who had unpleasant memories of her mansion in Mexico uh, let the filmmakers purchase just the mansion, blow it up, and then rebuild on the land she still owned. Um, yeah, fascinating. Wow. <laughs> wow. That, that's like so audacious and amazing. Like that I'm surprised that you guys picked that one because it's too crazy not to be true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which means number four also is true. Um, I have never I've never heard of another movie doing this before, but apparently they just resubmitted the movie again. Uh, in an appeal to get the rating dropped from R to PG-13. Yeah. Which, I think that actually happens a lot because the um, that committee is like, it's not filmmakers or anyone. It's just like random people right. that are just like, so it's uh, the way you get a rating. It's almost like, like they have guidelines that they're supposed to follow. Right. But it's just almost by opinion, really. <laughs> But I guess I'm curious, like, why if if the filmmakers would just resubmit and be like, we didn't change anything, or do they just not do they not even say that? Do they just yeah, be I like, guess they just don't, yeah, yeah, they're just, just like, they okay, in. the the ratings board is like, make some changes if you want a PG-13, and then like they just wait a week and they're like, uh, here you go. <laughs> they probably it's don't like watch when you try to movies. log into your computer and it's like. It's like, oh, wrong password. And then you just type the same thing again and it goes through. <laughs> yeah, You're like, what did I do yeah. wrong? <laughs> yeah. Exactly like that. Yeah. I know I know there was one F bomb in this that I could that I could that I remember for sure. So maybe that's wow, what that's a somebody bold claim that you remember something from this movie. <laughs> Trust me, there isn't much else. <laughs> what I was doing during this movie was sorting socks and pairing them up. Like, oh so my like God. I was I was watching this movie and doing nothing else and i watched it less than an hour ago and i don't know if oh, i can tell shit. you the plot <laughs> all oh, right boy. let's we're let's we're ahead of ourselves okay yeah yeah <laughs> let's let's get let's get into some box office here why don't we so this is for clear and present danger but what i'm gonna do this time around is we're gonna play a little game on top of Ugh. tyler's and you're gonna tell me which Jack Ryan film out of the five that have been made oh, shit. that I'm aware of have had the largest domestic opening. Let me give you the options and I'll give them to you in uh, the, the order in which they were released. So, first one, Hunt for Red October, 
was in 1990, and that uh, had Alec Baldwin as Jack Ryan. Then we've got Patriot Games, which was 1992, which did have Harrison Ford. Then Clear and Present Danger, 1994, also with Harrison Ford. Uh, and then I didn't look this one up. The sum of all fears is the next one. Mm-hmm. Uh, who was ben, ben Affleck? Affleck. Ben Affleck was Jack Ryan in that one. That was 2002. And then finally, Shadow Recruit, Jack Ryan, Shadow Recruit, 2014 with Chris Pine. Oh, so man. tell me, which one had the largest domestic opening for the time? Uh, I. <laughs> I'm going to say the Ben Affleck one, but I feel like that's wrong. I I don't know. Uh, yeah, I'm going to say Ben Affleck. Okay. Yeah, same. Um, you both are absolutely correct. Okay. It is the sum of all fears. It is Ben Affleck. Had the largest domestic opening. Uh, not by, well, by about, um, let's see, uh, 10 or, oh, quite a bit. So about 10 million. Uh, over the over the rest of them, uh, that was it's kind of interesting looking at the numbers here. Um, to get into just clear and present danger here, Tyler, you are kind of correct that uh, the budget for this movie is uh, sixty two million. It had a domestic opening of twenty million, um, and it's um, all time worldwide is. 200 million so i mean that but that back then was big right like that's a 200 million dollar movie back in 1994 like what were i wonder what some of the other movies around that time were pulling in because that that sounds like a lot for that time 20 million domestic opening 200 million worldwide okay okay yeah for all releases so um well speaking of movies from 1994 This is another wicked 90s year we've picked. So we've got Pulp Fiction, Forrest Gump, Shawshank Redemption, True Lies, The Crow, Clerks, uh, The Lion King, Speed, Interview with a Vampire, like Ace Ventura, and of course, the Flintstones movie. (laughs) uh, (laughs) So, I mean, it's another huge stacked, like year for movies all of which i've heard of like beyond ever like clear and present danger i would have never picked this out of a movie from 1994 mm-hmm. uh, yeah you, I, you I, also missed uh d2 the mighty ducks oh and yeah my Double bad dragon <laughs> oh my my bad um he, also, he didn't even uh, need to look those up those are just in his brain <laughs> yeah <laughs> um uh also i i'm looking at imdb and when you just click on a year it shows you it shows you films in that year by um popularity and i feel like this is uh weighted because of like because of the month we're in right now but number one is the santa claus starring tim (laughs) allen (laughs) number Number one one. movie of the year (laughs) oh that's hilarious (laughs) um Oh, so uh, do you have the numbers for um, what was the what was the movie before this? Patriot, Patriot Games. Games. Patriot Games. Yeah, that had a domestic opening of 18 million worldwide. Uh, it's made 178. 
Okay, so he he built on his success with that one, I guess, and mm-hmm. grew the franchise. Yeah, I, I was mm-hmm. going to try to watch Patriot Games before we uh, watched this one, but I, I started reading the Wikipedia. I was like, okay, I'm going to read the Wikipedia plot for The Hunt for Red October. I'll watch Patriot Games, and then I'll watch Clear and Present Danger. I got two sentences into the Wikipedia page for Hunt for Red October, and I'm like, fuck this shit. That's a really good movie, though, isn't it? I get. I mean, it probably is. It's just I've, the, I haven't seen it. Yeah, it's got. I think it has good reviews. But like, man, reading a synopsis of like a oh yeah oh political thriller is the most boring thing ever. Like, <laughs> it, it, you you can't get any of the intrigue in a like four paragraph Wikipedia summary. So I was like, True. ugh. Um. Yeah. So I've seen Patriot Games. Um, okay. So it has, it has a solid performance by um, Sean Bean, uh, but God, I don't know. It was, I mean, it was not a good movie. I was not a fan. Okay, um, Neil, have you seen that movie? Nah, this is the only Jack Ryan movie I've seen. Oh wow! I guess I'm not familiar with him at all either. With that character. Um, and honestly, Tom Clancy either. Um, I have seen <laughs> some of all fears, which is like a good movie. It's, I think it's when this series like turns into an action movie, um, with, which like they kind of carried on through with like this, the TV show that's going on right now is like basically an action show. Mm-hmm. Um, where this this movie Clear Present Danger and Patriot Games are like the exact opposite. Yeah, um, and that threw me for a loop too because this is another one much like The Fugitive where I was like this is like an action movie, right? Yeah. And this one <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it this one is more so because but it's not having anything to do with Harrison Ford. Oh my god. And, and <laughs> I I think that I think that we've just been like spoiled by the last couple decades of movies. Yeah. Like we're coming in on 2020 and the 90s were just the idea of a quote unquote action movie, I think is just totally different than today's standards. Like today we have, Mar- you know, Marvel superhero movies and like the the equivalent action movies of today are like Fast and Furious, right? Which are just like... Mm-hmm balls to the wall like crazy cgi fests with in just ridiculous set pieces where the entire plot is written around the set pieces and Mm -hmm. when you look at back at the you know action films of the 90s it is it's a plot based film like it's they're rarely written around the 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 set pieces it's more of just like well we've got we've got an idea for like a cool thing but really the the plot is what people are here for like the intrigue the characters like they there's so much there's so many characters involved in doing different things and what their motivations are and then like occasionally you'll get a shootout or like a car crash like that's that's really what i'm learning about these old uh harrison ford action movies like he's really not as much of an action hero as i would have thought you know thinking back Mm -hmm. yeah 
the way I judge all these is by the Expendables movies. So <laughs> I like to look to see, you know, if they're in those, they were an action star back then. And Harrison Ford is in the Expendables 3, which is by far the worst Expendables movie. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you, you, you look at that and I guess I always thought like, after like Han Solo, he's kind of that, you know, he's not afraid to get in a gunfight type thing. And like, I guess you don't see what he, yeah, I don't know. He, uh, like, I expected him to be more like that in the rest of the stuff he's in, but it's so untrue. So like, I am so much more in the dark to Harrison Ford's like actual catalog than I initially thought at all. Yeah. It's crazy. He seems like much more of a reluctant hero in all of these films. Like he's not, he's not like, um, I don't know. He's not jumping into the fray without regard to his well-being or other people. Like he is legitimately trying to avoid confrontation usually, you know? Yeah. And then this, he just wants to be like, we're going to do it in the Senate. That's how we're going to solve problems. (laughs) (laughs) Someone hasn't been watching the news lately. (laughs) Look, I'm not saying it's happening now, but. (laughs) Um, So. Uh, okay, so uh, my comment on to what you just said about this movie, Clear and Present Danger, is I actually enjoyed this movie. I actually liked watching this movie. I think that this when Will- Willem Dafoe is on screen and the like two um, cartel members uh, like the story around them and then even the CIA, the like quote unquote bad guys of the movie. Um, I think the story around them is pretty fascinating and it's really fun to watch. But when Jack Ryan comes on screen, like Harrison Ford is like 10 minutes away from taking a nap in every (laughs) single scene of this movie. And that is what makes this, movie such a slog that the main character is just so relentlessly boring to watch yeah. in this movie. And yep. I just like there's I think there's a scene there's a scene where he like smirks at someone and he like gives out a chuckle. And I, I was like shocked when I saw that because I was like, <laughs> oh my God, who is this person? <laughs> Yeah, there's, I don't know, there's something about, I think there are a lot of movies from this time period that really hold up and are really strong contenders for, like, being a timeless movie, but this movie, for me, like, I feel like there there are some cool ingredients here, and there is some competent filmmaking, but there's a lot of it that just feels so dated that it becomes difficult to really get invested in, and like you said, the the main character being such a wet blanket, it's just like... I don't really I don't really see him as heroic or really have any kind of like attachment to him as a character like maybe maybe they're kind of relying on the audience having a history with the character from the other two films but I I just wasn't really buying him as even a reluctant hero in this one like I the 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 cinematography and everything like just made the movie look all old (laughs) 
<laughs> I don't know really a, way, a better way to say it. Like, France, my wife Frances, when we were watching it, like the within the first five minutes, she's like something about like why does it what does it look so why does it look so weird and i'm like yeah i know right it kind of looks like there's like vaseline smeared all over the lens it's just and man i don't know i i just couldn't get into it i guess it was made for television like it it was almost like they couldn't afford like good cameras yeah like take the time to get good setup so they were just like like all right we gotta wrap this scene up in an hour so let's let's roll yeah, there are like no intriguing shots or anything yeah. that feels like atmospheric or dark or brooding. Like it, that's like the kind of political thrillers we're used to today, right? Where it's just like there's actually some legitimate style and effort put into it. But yeah, I think you nailed it when you said it feels like a television movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm more or less on Ben's side, though. Um, I kind of enjoyed watching this. I think it's because. I, I don't know if it, it I, I it felt like it was like one of those 90s movies that are just kind of I don't know it, it was more maybe it's just this is going to be my personal take on it but like how I thought of when I was when I would watch movies in the 90s like oh this is just one of those like it felt like a nostalgic thing carrying me through so like I kind of enjoyed the everything going on but ex- yeah it, with an exception to Harrison Ford really <laughs> <laughs> it's honestly like it, it's you know, um, looking at the films we have a- ahead, I think we have a couple of winners, but I'm worried that we're getting into that, like, Harrison F- the movies where Harrison Ford just doesn't want to be there. Yeah. And it just, like, destroy. he, like, destroys movies when he's in that mode. And it's a shame, but, like, this was, I feel like the first movie that I watched where I was, like, Oh my God! Like Harrison Ford is just—he's just here, like punching his time clock, <laughs> and it's so—it's so obvious that he just doesn't want to. He could be anywhere else in the world. It, it seems honestly strange to me that he could be convinced, and I, maybe it's just an indicator of where he was in his career at this point. But to do not only a sequel. Uh, like taking over a character that was played by someone else in a sequel and then doing a sequel to that sequel. Like Mm -hmm. I'm so surprised that he took on those films. Like I I can't imagine what he saw in that unless he's just like a huge Tom Clancy buff, which like hot take guys, Tom Clancy (laughs) is like (laughs) smut novels for like substitute high school history teachers. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He's popular though, right? Like yeah. to answer that question, he's like a lot of people love Tom Clancy. Yeah, I um, I don't get it. I it, it's like a lot of people will point to how like accurate and how realistic his scenarios feel, and I'm just like, I mean, I don't know if that's really a great way to put it when you have like a. I don't know. I guess maybe in today's world, things are so blown so out of proportion that it's weird to even compare to like the uh, 90s idea of government like uh, corruption and stuff. But it just it's so it feels so like kind of cartoonish where you've got like a president threatening this uh, guy in his office saying that he's going to take him down and shit. And it's just like this isn't this doesn't feel like real dialogue at all. Yeah. I mean, I think that this scenario probably happens a lot more than you're making it 
sound. Like yeah. the I mean this this whole movie is basically um like the government brings someone in. They brought Tom or they brought Jack Ryan in and he he researched like this problem and kind of gave them he he gave them enough leeway to basically make them like uh, get f- military funding to go down and basically just um, eviscerate this drug cartel. Yeah. But like the the research didn't actually back them up. So then it basically made this whole thing illegal, which is why they they hired William Willem Dafoe, which I wasn't actually ever sure what his character was. Like <laughs> I was fully expecting him to be the villain of the movie. Right. right. Mm-hmm. And this movie is almost like teeing him up to be it. And then he like, he like joins for forces with Jack Ryan. And I'm just like, Oh, Oh, okay. You're wait, you're the good guy now. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. Yeah. There's a lot of gray, um, but yeah, the whole, like, the whole like the government like funding an illegal operation that they lied about like come on sure I, yeah <laughs> That's, like, I get what it. we do on a daily basis now I think it, it more just comes down to the idea of like any uh, sure the the overall scenario I guess feels relatively plausible but like you have an element of like uh, John McClane-ism, you know, where it's like, how is this mm-hmm. one guy involved in all this? Or like 24 or something, you know? How is this one guy involved in all of these weird and crazy plots and just like, I don't know. It, I'm, I'm turned off in general just by the like kind of mundanity of it. I, I don't know if maybe if it were more competently filmed then I would be more drawn into it I guess but like I didn't care about the villain I didn't care about the hero sure some of the like some of the reveals were somewhat interesting but it just it kind of just went from one plot point to the next there was no real twist or anything but I don't know so this was a complete wash for you I mean I'm not going to say that I'm not going to say it's a bad movie necessarily but it just it it didn't it wasn't doing anything worth remembering or highlighting as far as like harrison career ford's career Mm -hmm. did you guys like how the president said the title of the movie within the first 10 (laughs) minutes though yeah (laughs) i wish it would have cut to the title card right when he said it (laughs) (laughs) they really like They really like like zoomed in on his face while he was saying that line too. Yeah, like they were really getting ready to be like, (laughs) check this out. It's a title drop. (laughs) Yeah, here it comes. (laughs) Oh my god! Whenever that happens in the movie, this is the only time I think of Family Guy. But whenever someone says the title of the movie, I think of that Family Guy joke where like Peter was in the movie theater and he's like screaming about. (laughs) Do you guys know what I'm talking about? I'm not sure. <laughs> no. All right. It's not worth it. It's not worth it to remember Family Guy. But <clears throat> um, one of the things that, unfortunately, I think is very realistic, but I kind of wish it wasn't, was when that computer expert in the movie, he like brute force hacks into <laughs> yeah. the dude's computer. And he's like, 
they're like, how long will it take you to get this guy's password? And he's like, oh, I don't know. I guess I'll start with uh, the daughter's name and her birthday. And then he like gets the password in like four tries. Yeah. And I was just like, I was like, oh, brother. I was like, yeah, that's probably how most hacking is though <laughs> well that it might have been at the time i tell you what though i've i do like software development and support mm-hmm. now for a bunch of different companies and like the they've actually gotten pretty like crazy about that stuff uh but in it's now less secure in a different way so basically what <laughs> this is a totally off topic but <laughs> they've they've now instituted like crazy requirements for changing your password often and so what people do is they they'll change their password like every month or a couple months but they'll change it to something ridiculous like abcd123 and mm. so because they have to be able to like remember it from month to month and so they just do like the next month it's like bcde2345 yeah. and mm. so it's like way easier to get now but it's for different reasons you know well, yeah, I'm gonna, yeah. I'm going to tell you my computer password right now. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm not. But my company is the same way where it has to, it's like it has to be a passphrase. Like it has to oh, have yeah. spaces, capital letters, numbers. Oh, and, yeah. Yeah. It's so many different requirements so, And then uh, so what they what people tell you is to do those like uh, randomly generated codes. Yep. Right. Where it's like 20 just rando letters and numbers. But. Then I I also heard that if a robot is hacking, like if a bot is hacking your account, like that doesn't matter because like English words and then just like gobbledygook is the same to them. Yeah, it's uh, true. Yeah. This episode brought to you by LastPass. <laughs> <laughs> Never have to remember a password again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Two, yeah. Use a two-factor authentication in like (laughs) all your accounts it's it saves lives literally um and then also (laughs) so let's just keep going on this tangent Uh, it's more interesting my uh my bank account was at so like i assume everyone's bank is like this if you type in the wrong password (laughs) yes so much oh god (laughs) um uh, I just I just changed my um, my state residency seat to Miami, Florida, so New York can't get my tax returns. <laughs> uh, but nice. my bank account almost got hacked. This was probably like three or four years ago, and um, I knew I noticed it was because if you try to if you fail an attempt to log in three times, you're completely locked out of your account. Yep. And then you have to like go through and do like answer all these questions. Um, and so that happened to me once and I just like kind of didn't think of anything of it. So I changed my password, I get back in and then the next day it gets locked. And so then I changed my username to something like even more difficult to guess. Mm-hmm. And it hasn't happened since. Weird. So it's like, it's not, it's crazy because it's not just passwords, but like your username, if someone just figures out that your username is just Ben, then they can, they're like halfway there, you know? Right, right. Isn't that weird when you just like know someone is trying to actively steal your shit? I know, yeah. Yeah. Have you ever got a, a login request from your 
two-factor like yeah. at two in the morning. Yes. And you're just like, oh my God, what's happening? <laughs> <laughs> like deny that shit. Someone in Croatia is trying to access your account. Yeah, um. Is this you? <laughs> um, all right. Back to the real clear and present danger. Um, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> um, honestly, my, uh, my God, what else is there to say about this movie? I, like, I'd want you guys to tell me what it is you really liked about this movie, because I feel like maybe I just missed it. So, uh, yeah, go ahead, Neil. Uh, sure. So I there were like everything that kind of happened in Mexico or regarding the cartel stuff. I actually rather enjoyed that stuff. Like I actually found the like the I guess the the quarrel between now it gets kind of convoluted in here but like I so they probably could have simplified it but I kind of liked the the quarreling that was happening between the cartels and like all like if they would have like stuck more to something a little more simple like it would have been neat but like I actually liked those characters like the the one that like loved hitting baseballs and had that baseball bat, <laughs> yeah. the guy from the one from Jurassic Park. Yeah, uh, like, like I. He's like really, a great like character actor. He shows yeah. up in a lot of stuff. He's great he in this movie. Awesome in this. Like, I really enjoyed his stuff. Um, the other, also the other cartel guy yeah. who like yeah. is having an affair with the CIA's like. Uh, that was his, weird. Like, yeah. What is she? Her secretary? Uh, yeah, I guess. Yeah. That yeah. was wild. It was. Yeah. It, yeah. It was. It was so weird. He uh, did have a cool presence, though. I I thought he mm. was good in the movie. I I think you're right. The the stuff in Mexico was certainly the strongest part. I I liked kind of what you were talking about the the cloak and dagger shit, where it's like mm. these different forces like pretending to take out hits on other groups to lay blame on them. Like that was certainly the most interesting stuff plot wise. I think. Like that would oh, have yeah. made a pretty sweet movie, but then they were like, "How do we get?" U.S. Senator Jack Ryan involved. Oh, <laughs> let's make it like a crooked thing that like the, I don't know if it was the vice president or whoever was like given the orders to make this happen or whatever, but. It was the president. Yeah, it went straight to the top, it's dude. Straight to the top! <laughs> um, see, that's the thing is that what I liked about this movie like was every every aspect of this movie that didn't involve Jack Ryan. Like I thought was really good. Like, and I really like the idea of like the CIA going to stop a drug cartel and then realizing that you're actually, you've been following the bad guys this whole time. And like when that scene where they're about to bomb the dude's house and um, then like when every like the, that military group that is setting off the the strike, when they notice that it's there's a birthday party going on, this like little girl's birthday party, and the one the like military guy he like looks to William Defoe and it's like, uh, should I stop? Like there's children, and yeah. then no one says anything and the place just gets obliterated, like. That's a pretty great moment when you're like, oh, shit, the American government are the villains in this movie. Right. Like, 
mm-hmm. I think that's a that's a pretty great premise to a political thriller, and I thought it was handled pretty well in this movie. Also, yeah. our our hero is like non-existent during all of that. <laughs> like he's just like yeah. He's, He's just like talking reading. to the, the hacker. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess that's like, I, it, it, I think this would have been a much better movie um, if you followed the those two CIA agents that like launched this whole thing and like hire Willem Dafoe. So you know, I, 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 there were moments in this film where I felt um, some similarities to stuff like Spotlight. And I kind of wish that the whole movie was more like that, where it was just like this. Oh, yeah. Almost like an expose on like terrible actions that our governments <laughs> have made in the war on drugs. Like mm-hmm. that, that was where I, obviously the movie doesn't really get too deep into that. It's more of like a this particular instance in, you know, this this particular uh, like moment in time where these uh, forces are uh, combating each other. But like, I think I was wanting to see just a more in-depth fictionalized um, portrayal of the drug war. Um, Mm. Because I think those are the parts that were the strongest. What's that Netflix show that is about that, that actually has, or someone actually plays Pablo Escobar in it? Uh, yeah, N- Narco. Narcos. Yeah. Narcos. Yeah. That's first season good. of that was pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, it's like five seasons, isn't it? I feel like it went, it like went longer than, uh, I don't know how many I they're up to most now, people know. but I know like, are they the, still going? The cast changed and they started following like a different characters in the third season. And I didn't mm-hmm. follow it after that. So, mm. um, yeah, it's very yeah. Spotlight is a very, I think, very interesting comparison because, yeah, I think I almost agree that it like sp- this pro like living in our present climate probably clouds like it affects the viewing of this movie more. Yeah, but like where Spotlight I think was like living in that, and so they could like heighten up the drama more. Um, right. You know, as like viewing that situation from um, like with foresight. Right. Um, that something that maybe this movie didn't have, um, even though in the 90s, there's probably a lot of um, a lot of stuff, real life stuff they could draw from. Right. Even back then. <clears throat> um, yeah, let's. uh I guess I kind of want to let's talk about the cast for a little bit. Um, I don't really know what much is to say about him. Uh, Ann Archer, I think is incredible in this movie. She mm-hmm. plays Kathy Ryan. Um, even though she's like completely sidelined. Um, yeah. She has a bigger part in Patriot games, but I mean, it's not much better. Yeah, apparently she um, had a bigger part, and it was all cut from this film. So, oh, really? Yeah. Uh, James Earl Jones is pretty great in the oh, like yeah. three mo- three scenes he's in. Yeah. Um, it's really weird that, that like what happens to him? He gets a heart attack. 
like right at the beginning of the movie. Cancer. Yeah, it's like pancreatic oh, cancer. cancer. Yeah. 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 Right. Because he dies too. Yep. Ooh. I, he sure I, does. He's the only character who was the uh, connective tissue between the Alf um, Baldwin original and the um, Harrison Ford versions. So, oh, really? Yeah, he, it's the only character that crosses over uh, to maintain continuity so that those are technically sequels. That's so bizarre. It's like Judy Dench playing M between like the Pierce Brosnan and <laughs> right? like, uh, yeah, Daniel Craig ones. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, you've changed. Why is your face different? Yeah, so it's, it's almost like they. It's almost like he was only in here for that reason, like to to maintain that continuity. And I guess since he's been in both, I the think other he movies, was in Patriot Games too. Well, I right, think, but that, yeah. I guess what I mean is that he didn't really it, he didn't really factor into the plot in here. But they just wanted to keep him in, so you know it's a sequel to that other movie. Like I feel like mm-hmm. if it was just. Harrison Ford starring in a political action thriller like you I mean really you don't need to know the other movies obviously because I followed this one just fine without watching those but like I I guess for the people who care kind of like with born identity movies you know having a few people pop back up just to be like hey this is the same character you remember me yeah true it's like how Q is in like every James Bond movie yeah and it's it's just like he's just in one movie to give like Bond exploding toothpaste and like right. that's kind of all he's in there for. Yeah, I mean this is very much that in that same realm of writing, right? Like where you've got this like one dude who when I was like reading the wiki for the character of John, Jack Ryan, I was like what the fuck? This dude ends up being the president? Like, what? Like, And he's <laughs> yeah. in all these, like, yeah. crazy action, like, save the world type scenarios. Like, this, mm-hmm. it's bonkers. Like, it really, for all of the the trappings of trying to make this, like, a realistic scenario, it, it gets a little out there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's weird that, like, he is such, this is such a big property, but I feel like um, nothing has really stuck. Like, yeah. I feel like they've never like done it so right that they're, they like ride on like a good wave for so long. It reminds me in a um, lot of ways of the, uh, um, Oh God, what's the character? Uh, Robert Langdon from the, um, the author who does the like religiously religious history mystery books. Oh yeah. the, God, what's it called? <laughs> Angels and Demons and uh, Dan, Dan Brown. The Da Vinci Dan Brown. Code. Da Vinci yeah, Code. Dan yes. Brown. It feels very much like that where like you can watch each one of them on their own and not really give a shit about the previous ones. And they're just kind of goofy. Um, you know, they those movies are pretty terrible and the books aren't great either, but they just work better as books, you know? And I feel, mm, I feel like yeah. that's probably the same case here. The, the mm. books are just hugely popular and the movies do okay based on the, you know, name recognition of the actors and the like clash, the cachet of Tom Clancy. But I just don't think they, I don't think they make entirely watchable films. No, I don't think no. Tom Hanks shoots a single gun in any of those. <laughs> it's so bullshit. He does run away from several explosions, though, and then yeah, like puts sunglasses right. on in a cool way. He <laughs> <laughs> puts sunglasses on cool? Did I miss something in those? <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> Obviously. Um, 
All right. Any last words, or let's um, let's wrap up our discussion of the Da Vinci Code. <laughs> um, all right. Let's get into final thoughts, guys. Uh, for every movie, we'll give Harrison Ford a rating of one to five Harrisons. Um, so yeah, I'll I'll start off. Uh, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna give this a two out of five Harrisons. Even though I, I think this is an all right movie and it's enjoyable in some aspects, I think there is one giant glaring flaw and it is Harrison Ford. And <laughs> I cannot believe just the qual- the vast canyon that this movie has of quality between ha- scenes that Harrison Ford are in and scenes that Harrison Ford are not in is mind boggling <laughs> and uh my god it's it's such it's such just a bad performance and it's weird because it's not like it's not like it's a poor a poorly written role for him and it's also not that it's miscast it's just that um just Harrison Ford you can just tell on screen that he just does not want to be there yeah and man it sucks <laughs> uh Tyler what are your your final thoughts yeah I I mean I feel like this whole conversation I've been a little more negative on it than you but I'm gonna I'm gonna go right with you there on the rating two out of five Harrisons for me um it I can't I can't just like outright bury this movie as like being terrible. It's not, it's, it's competently made. It's, um, it's watchable, but like those are really faint praise, right? Like it's, it's just not really worth going back when there's so many more movies to watch in the universe. Like I just really can't, uh, find myself recommending it to anyone, even, even like a Harrison Ford aficionado, like, you're going to watch this one and just be like, okay, I'd rather watch, you know, the fugitive or any other, a bunch of the other movies that we're reviewing. So like, yeah, not just not into it, I guess is the best way to put it. Two out of five. Mm. Okay. Well, yeah, I, as far as how to recommend this to somebody, I think it'd be like, if they were like 50 plus, they'd probably be like, yeah, that was, that's a solid movie. This is what they should be like. <laughs> okay, boomer. Uh, it's, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I, uh, I'm going to give it a, a, a 2.5. I'm going to give it a little bump from you guys. Um, I know it's, it's not like we've been giving this the most shining example of a movie, but like, Harrison Ford is kind of the weak link and the downfall of it. Um, But overall, I found most of it enjoyable. Like, it's not I don't think it's bad or anything. It's just like, as kind of we said earlier, it's like a made for TV movie. It looks like and kind of feels like like the only thing it's got going for it. It's got like explosions and stuff, which kind of puts it over the top, I guess. But like. I think it's uh, it's got some substance there and it's got some good character work outside of Harrison Ford. So I'm giving it a, a 2.5 Harrison's nice. His, his legs, not his upper half. I'm giving it <laughs> like two full hymns and like his legs. All right. Yeah. Not even so his like ju- that yeah. part of G.I. Joe's where there's like the string like you broke them apart and it's just like their waist and legs. That's 2.5. No. Well, it's more like. 
like uh not quite where like your waist is, but it's like half his penis, like half his penis <laughs> off. <laughs> like if, if it was just hanging there, he cut his penis in half and like most of his legs. Great. Great. Thanks for that. Uh, yeah, yeah, Thanks for that breakdown. A, a distinction without meaning. <laughs> I am almost more lost now that you explained it. Well, it gets into actually, like, then how long is his okay, penis? Okay, 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 um, uh, We all know it's huge. All right. Let's get into recommendations uh, for every episode. We'll leave you guys with some something that we think uh, you should check out. So, Neil, you want to give us your recommendation? <laughs> so, yeah, I can. Hold on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't have made you go back to back. Um, yes, yeah, certainly. Uh, my recommendation is a movie, uh, a Netflix movie, that is uh, called The King. Uh, and I watched it a, about a month ago now, and it's quite good. Um, it's not like um, what you'd expect. So, like... It's based around um, Henry V and um, in England. And like it's you, it's not like this big action set piece movie, but it's got like really cool. And I'm not 100 percent sure how historically accurate it is. It's got uh, elements of historical accuracy, like the the main battle at the end of uh, Agincourt is like his claim to fame, essentially, and like his age and all of this stuff. Um, all of that's in it, um, but there are little like flaws here and there. But it's it mostly tries to stick to, I guess it's just an embellished thing about Henry V, um, and it's 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 pretty good. It's more of like um, kind of like a, a kingly dr- more drama than it is like an action piece. They have like one action set piece, like at the like a very the very end and then like that's about it but it's mostly just like more like game of thronesy type things like towards like the like the top like two-thirds of it um where it's like what's he gonna do as king like his age and all the political stuff going around and it's kind of interesting to you know learn or at least get represented in this way because it's not like as ridiculous as like Game of Thrones would be, but it's it plays it more in a realistic manner. And like even the um, some of the uh, there's one fight he has in it where it's like it's like his first trial of combat. And like it's so like he doesn't have to send like his army off to go fight the French. He goes and like, I'm just going to challenge this one guy. And like so it goes on like this one on one battle and like it's it's pretty it's like really realistically done like two people clad in armor and chainmail like they're just like whapping on each other with swords and they're like they just get physically exhausted really fast and it turns into like this scrap where they're just both on the ground hitting each other on the head before like uh you know he just takes a knife out and stabs him in the neck like that's not what you think about when you think about like these 
you know, historical movies where it's like knights in armor and horseback riding. Like it's so much more like the fighting and stuff is really gritty and kind of uh, like scrappy. You know, it's not like this triumphant type stuff. So like that part of it is really interesting. And it's I the only flaw I give it is that like it can get a little slow towards like the the first portions but like it's it's quite interesting to learn this type of stuff about especially like you know real people that had existed beforehand but um the main uh actor i don't know if i can say i don't know how to say his last name <laughs> timothy uh chalamet chalamet yep. i don't i don't know something like that he's outstanding in it uh joel edgerton is awesome like he's a great character actor um and then, like, Sean Harris from, like, the last two um, Mission Impossible movies, he's great in it. Uh, and then, whatever his face, I can't think of his name. Right? Oh, Ben Mendelsohn's in it. Like, it's got oh. a pretty great cast. Um, the main, uh, uh, God, Robert Pattinson's in it, too. He plays, like, this just, like, French dude, and he's incredible in it. Damn, that's a so, solid like, cast. Yeah, it, yeah, it's it's super solid. Like I, I would totally recommend it if you're into like this time period type uh, genre. If you're not, I would not recommend it because it is kind of really it really just kind of stays in that world and it's not like fantastical or anything. So it's just kind of a cool drama piece um, around uh, Henry V. But yeah, that is the cool. King, and that is on Netflix. Uh, I check it out. Cool. I gotta watch that. I that sounds so cool the way you described it and i've heard like a lot of people like catching up on this movie um in the last couple weeks they really liked it so yeah yeah, i gotta get on that uh gotta love my timothy chalamet he's he's an incredible actor Mm -hmm. what what, Um, what's uh what's he big for i don't even know um, he was in, I think he, he's mostly known for Call Me By Your Name. He was the lead mm. um, in that movie. Uh, the only other thing I'd seen him in was Lady Bird. So. And he's yeah. good in that, though, too. So. Yeah, he's kind of been popping up in a lot of movies just as like kind of a small character, um, like in a short role. But... Uh, yeah, he's been blowing up, and yeah, Call Me by Your Name is like incredible, and he gives uh, amazing performance in it. Nice. Uh, okay, Tyler, what's your recommendation? Guys, I am really excited to talk about this movie. Uh, I got a chance to get out to the theater the other day and see the new Ryan Johnson movie, Knives Out. Um, have either of you guys seen it yet? Oh yeah. No. Okay. Not yet, but I've heard awesome things. Okay, good. Yeah, so it, it um, I, I, I almost wanted to not talk about this movie because I feel like every podcast I've been listening to, everyone's just already raving about it. But then I went to go see it, and I was just like, "Holy shit!" Every uh, there, you cannot say enough how awesome this movie is. Um, it's. It's now it's like one of those movies that becomes a benchmark where you start measuring other movies against it. Uh, Like I now anytime I see another like whodunit murder mystery movie, I'm going to be like, but was it better than Knives Out? (laughs) Because uh, this is a movie written by someone who 
obviously has an intense love for this genre. I mean, I guess it's more of a really a subgenre. It's a pretty pretty niche movie, right? Like there aren't too oh, many yeah. whodunit type movies like this really anymore. They're kind of they've almost been like played out to the point where like the main cultural touchstone for them is things like Murder She Wrote, where it's almost like a butt of a joke to have this style of uh, story, you know? Um, but this Knives Out just like leans into it so hard and give, makes it so um, so sincere. I, I think that's the thing that you don't get from watching the trailers of this movie. Like the, the trailers for this movie are, are great and intriguing and like make you in, interested in watching the film, but it honestly undercuts so much of the emotional core of the movie where like, honestly, even after watching the trailer again, after watching the movie, it's like painfully obvious to me that they like purposefully uh, marketed this as like an ensemble uh, cast without a real main character. But that is not the case. This movie has a strong female lead, um, and I'm totally blanking on her name because I've not Anna, seen her in many things. Um, Anna uh, DRMS. Okay. Yeah, she's been in a couple other things that I recognize, but not much. Um, but her performance in this movie is incredible, and I like it's. I can't even really talk about the plot or anything, just because I think that that spoils it. But um, the the other performances in this movie are incredible as well. I this is maybe my favorite Daniel Craig movie. Um, yes, I, I know he's a good actor in other stuff, but this performance is unforgettably. <laughs> just like so over the top and funny and honest like I just absolutely fell in love with everything about this movie and I can't stop thinking about it um, right after we left the theater my wife and I, I turned to her and I said I almost never go see movies a second time in theaters but I legitimately want to turn around right now go back in and buy another ticket and watch it again <laughs> like that's how good this movie is so um uh, Neil, it, even though it's a movie that I would say isn't necessary to watch on the big screen, I would say go do it because you don't want to have anything spoiled in the interim time before you get to watch it on VOD. So, oh, okay. But please, like everyone should go see this movie in theaters. Yes. And it's fucking right. an original fucking movie that's successful and smart. Like it's just so I could keep going and going. It's just awesome. Uh, something I don't think you said is that it's funny too. Yeah, like this it is. is a comedy. It is, it is so funny. Every single character like gets laughs and, yep. uh, my God. And yeah, Daniel Craig is on next level yeah. on this. Like he is doing something so fun, but it's, he's just like intoxicating. Like you can't, like look away from his performance. It's yep. that character is so incredible. Yeah. There, I wanted to laugh at this movie more than I did because our theater was just like, for whatever reason, sometimes you'll be in a movie where you're just mm. absolutely into it and getting everything that the director and writer are like laying down. But for some reason it's not connecting the same way with the audience around you. And so like we, my wife and I were like constantly laughing and kind of the only ones 
often laughing at a subtle joke and so it, it it's very funny but like in a just a very like whip smart way that mm-hmm. i think some people are just like one there some i feel like some people are left wondering like wait was that a joke and then by the time it passes it's the chance to laugh is gone yeah <laughs> yeah it's it's great uh yeah i think uh so this is now the time you should go back and rewatch um ryan johnson's old movies yeah uh, i know i think his first movie brick is on netflix and because he the common thread of all of his movies is that he he deconstructs the genre that he's doing and then over the course of the movie he puts he reassembles it and like makes it better yeah like that's what very... he did with yeah. the who done it is like you're you're going through like all these changes that he's doing to like what you would expect from this genre and he's like turning it on his head its head but yeah. then it ends in almost an exact way you would expect a who done it and yes. like yeah only someone who like truly loves what they're working with can like do that in a good way and i think he's done that in with all of his movies yeah especially star wars oh my <laughs> especially, god especially star wars <laughs> yeah no you're totally uh, yeah, right and honestly i wasn't gonna say i wasn't gonna mention it but like i'm specifically talking about star wars like yeah no, the you're love right. he has for that franchise is obvious in that movie yeah yeah it, there i there are parts where i literally was holding my breath and would just like eventually have to exhale <laughs> it just it's so it's so good uh also yeah. chris evans too oh yeah like, he's, he's great too. kind of doing it's kind of a part that he did like before captain america but he's so incredible in that yeah. movie yeah it uh, this isn't uh, I'm not going to say anything that would actually constitute a spoiler, but kind of in the sense that you're talking about how he deconstructs it. There is a moment about halfway through this movie where you're just like, wait, well, what else are we supposed to learn in the rest of this movie? Like, yeah. I, I thought I thought this was like a mystery movie, but then then it just totally it like pulls back for about 20 minutes and then it just goes into fucking overdrive. So yeah, it's, yep. it's great. Yeah. Wow. It's such, so it's so good. And yeah, definitely. I would second that to definitely go see it in a theater. Um, uh, yeah. Cause I think it's just, it's worth it. And it's an original story. Yeah. So, and like, there was like what four of those this year so <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and i'm so um, happy it's successful it, it's been doing mm-hmm. really well at the box office which is yeah. awesome yep um i would like to recommend a podcast uh this is a podcast i've been listening to a long time uh it's from the ringer it's called the watch and it's a television it's supposed to be a television like review so every week they kind of just talk about whatever television episodes from that prior week that they kind of want to talk about. So usually, so like when game of Thrones was on, like they're just basically talking about game of Thrones every week um, with sprinkled in, you know, whatever big show was also going on then. Um, But I would specifically like to recommend an episode that they just released. I think this week they released it. And it's an interview with 
Damon Lindelof, who is the um, the creator, let's just call him the creator of the HBO show Watchmen. And it is a very in-depth like interview um, about like all the aspects of the adaptation. And it's very, um, uh, he talks a lot about the entire process. It's very, he's very like open about it. He doesn't really shy away from anything like Damon Lindelof is, he's such a good, like interviewee, like he's so calm and he's funny and there's so many, um, like anecdotes he's talking about, about this show that, um, it was just so fun to listen to it. Um, I actually, I, it was, I think it was posted earlier this week and I listened to it when it came out. But then like today, um, after work, I was like driving around doing, um, chores and I was just like, I was like, I'm just going to put on this episode again while I'm driving and listen to it. And it was just such a joy, um, to listen to. He's such an amazing creator. And I think the way he talks about the show he made, and then also just Watchmen, the original source material, uh, which he calls the old Testament, (laughs) uh, is it's, was just so fun to talk about someone who is, or to listen to someone who is um, obviously like at the top, he's kind of like at the peak of his like creative power. And it was just so um, inspiring to listen to him. So, um, oh, and then also obviously uh, they recorded it after the penultimate episode of Watchmen. And there are massive spoilers um, about that show. So obviously um, if you're not caught up, like wait, wait to get caught up before you listen to this interview. Um, if you haven't watched Watchmen yet, uh, get on that. Cause it's like the best, it's like the best TV show I think of all time. Like <laughs> yeah. I, it's pretty dangerous to say that after the season finale or like before the season finale even airs, but I, it, this show is so good that I just can't, I the, can't imagine it not taking that place. The true mark of this being a like worthy successor to the graphic novels is that I think this show will be as uh, voraciously dissected as that book was or ha- it yes. is to just yeah. to like catch every little reference, every little nugget of like, you know, connection between characters and events like it's just so fucking dense and cool Mm -hmm. um yeah one uh i'll say one tidbit that i learned from this that i was kind of um that i found really interesting was when uh when hbo got the rights to make a show basically bought the rights to Watchmen to make a TV show. They offered it to Damon Lindelof and they basically said like, um, do whatever you want. Right. And they almost, they almost, the way he 
described it made it sound like there was like no strings attached. They were just like, do whatever you want with this. And the show, um, if you haven't seen the show, I'm sure you've heard about this and it's not, this is not necessarily a spoiler, but the show opens on the Tulsa black wall street massacre. Um, which was an actual thing that happened in like our real, in our reality. And it was where like the KKK just like massacred a bunch of African-Americans and, um, Damon Lindelof decided like the, like the first thing he like thought about when starting to write this show was opening with that scene and having them just depict it with no changes at all. And he learned about it through um, an Atlantic article called the case for reparations, which is a, um, Tallahassee or, uh, Tallahassee Coates. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't think I'm pronouncing his name right, but, uh, yeah, it's this, and it's this incredible article about like just all the terrible things that have happened to black people in this, in this country. And it is pretty to just like shape the view of that show that it kind of the inception of it was reading this article um, to basically the inception of a comic book show is kind of wild to think about. And um, we'll see, we'll see when this show like concludes and if it was a success, but like I, it is so interesting to watch a comic book show that is such just a reflection of like the darkness in our society. And it's Mm -hmm. something that like, like, I don't think we've ever seen since probably Watchmen, you know, yeah. since like the comic book Watchmen. And, uh, yeah, I hope, um, I hope that this show is really successful. Um, because I think it, this should, the way Watchmen, the comic book changed comic books, like Watchmen, the TV show needs to change superhero, like movies and TV shows. Um, cause I don't know if you heard it, but superhero movies aren't cinema <laughs> and, <laughs> man. It, after watching Watchmen, uh, man, that's fucking true. Um, uh, so yeah, I realized that I just, I switched to just recommending Watchmen, but, um, <laughs> if you are a second recommendation of the Watchmen, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, this all started because there the, the interview with Damon Lindelof on the watch. So definitely if you've watched Watchmen or you're planning to definitely um, save that episode and listen to it, because I think it's it's really fascinating. Mm. Uh, I can't wait to watch the final episode. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Uh, yep. Me, too. <laughs> so. So excited. Um, all right. That is it for this episode of Credits Due. Uh, thank you for listening. 
Um, thank you. Uh, thank you to everyone who listens and to anyone who watches along. Um, uh, just thank you so much. And in two weeks, we're going to talk about um, a movie that I'm really excited to watch, and it is Air Force One. Um, you've guys seen this movie, right? It's been so long. I, I know I have, but it's been a while. Yeah, mm-hmm. and on TV, too, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I don't think I've ever seen this movie outside of, like, YouTube clips. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm really excited. Um, and, hopefully and, not too excited. Do I have a, like, false memory, or is this the movie? Is this a movie where we get the the famous line get off my plane or something like that yeah yeah dude fucking know it okay great (laughs) i'm in i'm ready (laughs) that's the that's the like what i've seen i think that's the only thing that i've seen is him harrison ford saying that line all right so that's in two weeks um and uh yeah until then uh, Tyler, why don't you tell the people where they can find you? Yeah, you can uh, find me on Twitter at Tyler Owen. You can find me, Neil, on Twitter at Dino Neil Man. And you can listen to my music podcast where I interview musicians about the songs that inspired them. Uh, that's Pivotal Tracks, and you can find that anywhere that you found this show. And you can also follow Credits Due um, at Credits Due Pod. And um, once again, thank you for listening. And until next time, remember, as always, I didn't sign up for this. This is someone's bullshit political agenda. Who authorized this? That line is so... That just encapsulates the entire movie right there. And you said it with more gusto than Harrison Ford did. (laughs) Following Following up, this is someone's bullshit political agenda with the line, who authorized this, is so fucking hilarious to me. Yeah. Yeah. I do need a nap, though.